This is Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. I'm Brian Reardon, normally the host of Health Calls. But as we did last week and for this episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Again, in an effort to focus on well-being and mental wellness to start off the new year, we've invited Dermot Rooney and Jill Fisk, two of our colleagues at CHA, to guide us through an intentional meditative conversation on the foundational concepts of well-being and how we can all begin to incorporate them into our own lives. So again, we hope you enjoy this special episode of Health Calls. Well, hello and welcome. It is great to be back with you today. Uh, This is part two of two in a special Health Calls episode on well-being. Uh, My name is Jill Fisk, Director of Mission Services for the Catholic Health Association. And I am once again today joined by my colleague, Dermot Rooney, Interim Vice President of Sponsorship and Mission Services. Dermot, thank you for being here today. Oh, it's wonderful to be back, Jill. Wonderful to be back. And we talked in in the last episode about uh, meditation being this place that um, this is sort of the when I guess when we think about um, the way that cardio improves our resting heart rate, meditation improves our ability to be mindfully aware, our awareness of presence. Very well put. And so today, what I'd like you to do is let's talk about, um, I'm assuming that that, that many of our listeners are busy leaders. Um, Whether you you have leader in title or leader in role, um, I'm I'm just going to go with the fact that I bet we're busy and there's a lot of things that press on us. Um, However more important then... Is it for us who are busy people, busy busy leaders in Catholic healthcare, to engage in regular practices of meditation and contemplation? Yes, Jill, that's um that's a very um interesting question. Um, I think um after our last conversation, it was interesting, and uh, this has happened uh, to me particularly when I'm, um, I've talked about meditation before. Is people want to know more about it, and I just want to also speak to the fact that I believe everybody is a leader regardless of their position. Mm-hmm. I believe we've all got that call, especially in Catholic healthcare. But when I think of time to think Tuesday from our Renew Year guidelines, one of the things I think a lot about is what you refer to in today's healthcare culture is that we're attempting to get through this tsunami amount of stuff, oftentimes resulting in feelings of being overwhelmed and stressed. And are with the information overload that is our culture. Exactly. So what do we do? I mean, if our hearts and minds are constantly being distracted and we are often used to juggling a multitude of things on an hourly basis, how do we manage this? Our senses are literally being bombarded more frequently than than we're even consciously aware of. Mm -hmm. So is it any surprise then when we come to sit quietly, as we talked about in our first episode, and as meditation suggests that we don't feel comfortable. We've become familiar with what we are surrounded by and the habits that we form. If we're used to being on the go, it's natural to find it hard to be alone in silence. As the phrase goes, when the busy person stops, the busy mind keeps going. All of our untended thoughts come and find us. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's important in our conversation is virtually all spiritual traditions describe practices to deal with this phenomena. 
Today, we're blessed with a huge range of options that can support us in slowing down and being more present. And I'm so pleased that we have a wealth of resources here at the Catholic Health Association. Exactly, Joe. As you know, in the show notes, people are encouraged to, to, to utilize these resources because there's many meditation and contemplation practices and in ways they're so simple to describe. But the key is they take a significant commitment like exercise, like everything, to build into one's life on a regular basis. It's habits. Absolutely is habit. And the root word of habit is ethic. So it's actually really a choice point, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But the most important thing is that people, again, just understand that what mindfulness is, is the basic human ability to be fully present. That's the key. Aware of what we're doing when we're doing it. That's at the heart of well-being. And that's when we become become truly responsive rather than reactive. It's when we can pause and not and when that sense of being overwhelmed is coming at us, we can take that moment to go back to our breath. And mindful meditation is no longer some strange esoteric practice that requires you to completely disconnect from your life, travel to a retreat (laughs) or to a remote part of the world. Although we could. Yes, absolutely. And well encouraged. (laughs) Going on retreat is a great thing. But really, your phone has multiple meditation um, apps that you can utilize uh, and that I utilize, Inside Timer being one of them. And in your local neighborhood, um, I guarantee you, you will find a mindfulness class. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's very near to us. It's the intention to do it, to actually engage in meditation, that's the hardest part. I mean, I- even in our own uh, facilities, most of us utilize mindful-based stress reduction. Now, we do it in the context of pain clinics and to great effect, proven by science. But it's there. And as a matter of fact, mindfulness meditation is a staple of employee engagement and development in several Fortune 500 organizations, including Google, Apple, Nike. And I even believe LinkedIn has a VP of wellness and mindfulness. That's incredible. I know. But it shows, you know, the organizations that are at the cutting edge are investing in this. And it's, of course, we're talking about greater productivity, but ultimately where the concern for Catholic healthcare is the greater wellness and well-being of the person. Healthy people who help others get healthy. Exactly, Jill. And that's what the results are showing. Yes. You know, the results are showing this. I was struck in the Harvard Business Review recently by a report that showed clearly how neurologically mindfulness meditation enables brain activity to be redirected from the limbic system to the prefrontal cortex. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Now, I mean... Very simply, that means we move from the reactionary part of our brain to the more rational, peaceful, thoughtful, responsive part of our brain. And this changes things quite a lot, Jill. As a matter of fact, some people would go so far as to say it changes the way we react to everything because we're in this much more pause-responsive um, disposition. And, of course, it enables us to rely more on our executive functioning than our impulses. Mm, Thoughtful responses. Exactly. 
I mean, simply mindfulness meditation enables us to, to be more centered, present to ourselves and others, and focused in our often scattered days and lives. That's why it's so important, and that's why we're having this conversation and breaking it open in more depth. And of course, there's n many empirical demonstrated benefits that are to be gained from a regular practice of meditating. An interesting side effect of the practice is increased concentration and, in turn, increased productivity. For the Wait, say that again? Yeah, increased concentration and, in turn, increased productivity. So taking time to be in silence actually changes the way you work. That is incredible. Yeah. That to to pause or to in, to integrate this into one's work rhythm to move away where it shows that there is no productivity actually increases productivity. Yeah. And Daniel Goleman, whom I think many people know, the guru of empirical intelligence, argues that from a, a neuroscience perspective, if we don't give the 15 to 20 minutes a day to meditation, that we're actually missing out on one of the most beneficial ways for a leader to help maintain a satisfactory and balanced state of life. Now, I know 15 to 20 minutes might sound overwhelming. And as we talked about in, in the previous episode, just beginning with five minutes is a, in itself a whole journey, a revolution, in fact. Um, Goleman clearly shows the science of how meditation works. And I really encourage um, anybody to tune into his work because he talks about that over a period of time, not only do we deepen our focus and our concentration, but we reduce our stress and anxiety. And finally, I think this is so important to our ministry, we increase our ability for connection and compassion for all. And to use his words, it completely alters our way of thinking our relationships and being in the world. Now, I must also say that it also increases, studies are now beginning to show that it increases retention in healthcare workers. It does. And and I'd like to just, we, we have an excellent article uh, from our last issue of Health Progress, Flourishing Through Formation. Sarah Redden from Ascension has, uh, just has elevated this statistic. Excellent example. And also, I really encourage people, an excellent article. Now, I'm, I'm always concerned when we talk about um, meditation that it's invitational, like everything, in, especially in the Catholic Christian tradition. You have to find your own way. There's a great um, Sufi teacher called Rumi, who many people may have heard of, and he says that there are a thousand ways to bow and kiss the ground. And of course, um, contemporary mindfulness meditation is, is actually a relatively recent phenomenon. While the Judeo-Christian tradition has had a similar practice for thousands of years, what we call contemplative prayer, which has its roots in scripture and in the lived reality of those who we talked about, the desert fathers and mothers of the church. Really, contemplative prayer is a prayer of silence, a receptive prayer of resting in God. Father Thomas Keating, who's one of the teachers of this form of meditation or contemplation, says that it's the opening of mind and heart, our whole being to God, the ultimate mystery beyond thoughts, words, and emotions. Beyond thoughts, words, emotions, images, into a space of true rest. You know, I, I, I like to think about contemplative prayers, really, I, I like to think about it as sort of laying 
this is open heart surgery, open on the table where it's not my job to know what the great physician is doing, but that the resetting of whatever's happening under the surface, I don't need to know any of it. It's not my job, but my job is to rest. And as, as one theology professor told me, this is the space where you let God love you. And there's no reactivity in that. It's just a being. And that's the hardest thing, I believe, about contemplative prayer, just to do it, just to show up and let God do God's work in and through you. And of course, it doesn't replace other forms of prayer. There's no hierarchy. Um, verbal prayer, etc. are all all it does for for in my experience, it gives every kind of prayer a fuller and newer perspective. And of course, the guidelines are very simple and uh, are in the show notes for this form of prayer. But like all forms of meditation, and Jill so beautifully put, the results of the practice are not necessarily experienced while engaging in it. Matter of fact, that can be sometimes a little bit frustrating. But as you do it over time, the benefits are immense as one grows in relationship with oneself and with God. Father Keating, among many others, maintains that this practice is the key to overcoming the tyranny of the urgent in one's personal and work life. It's, that's the practice that will enable you to be more present to yourself and to others. And in itself, that to me is the number one reason why it's such a gift and such an invitation. It really is a returning back to, back home, back who, where it all fits together. Exactly, Joe. And it creates this freedom not to over-identify with the constant flow of thoughts and emotions, which is what the mind does. The practice also cultivates what I describe as a contemplative interiority, mm. allowing an inner peace to develop over time. And that is all, it really is more often noticeable by others. <laughs> it certainly is. I, I remember, in fact, a, a brief story when I was teaching a three-year formation program. Uh, one CEO approached me, um, a friend, and said, you know all that stuff you've been teaching on meditation and centering? Well, I've been doing it now for a few months, but I haven't really noticed any real change. So, so, so I dropped it. It, it was kind of hard to do. But that same week, my wife said to me, have you stopped your alone time? Her words. (laughs) I said yes. And without mincing words, she told me, you've got to keep doing it. It makes it so much easier to be around you. So that's the type of thing that happens with meditation. Other people notice the peacefulness that you bring to the situation. Basically, it leads to less reactive behavior greater self-awareness and the ability to be more fully present to others. And finally, Jill, I'd just say that practice, the three Ps, practice, patience and perseverance are the key to engaging in meditation and contemplation. Mm. Well, Dermid, thank you for uh, helping us move a little bit deeper into the the importance and, and really sort of the benefits of, of this practice that... Uh, To engage regularly in meditation improves our ability to be present. And and for those of us who serve Catholic healthcare, we are constantly on the look to find God 
uh, to find the holy in the middle of ordinary spaces, whether that's, you know, as, as co-workers who aren't in the patient setting or those who are who are patient after patient after patient. Where is God present? This is the difference um, for us in Catholic healthcare. Exactly. That is the differentiator. Not only are we cultivating that in ourselves, the divine in ourselves, but we're also constantly seeing the divine in the other. And meditation for me is the royal road to really cultivating that disposition so I can experience the divine in myself and I can witness it in the other. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So I think now what we'd like to do is move into a time where you can take us through a short practice. Yeah, let's just take a moment just to do a three-minute practice. And this is open to anybody. This is not doesn't require a religious disposition. But it's something that I do deeply invite you into as a gift to yourself and one that can keep giving. So if it's appropriate for you now, let's come into a posture of comfort and receptivity. If it feels comfortable, feel free to lower your gaze or close your eyes. And now simply find your breath. And notice as you do that immediately there is a shift in attention. When we move our attention to our breathing, we move into the present. And we now have the capacity to be more aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we will use our breath as the anchor for this reflection. When we drift off, as we will in thoughts and emotions, we simply return to our breathing. Now gently and aligned with your breath, become aware of your body. Notice the sensations in your body. Bring your attention to your feet on the ground. Feel your toes and come up through your legs, relaxing any muscles that you are holding too tightly. Your hips. Let your tummy flop. Your arms. And those shoulders, a great place of tension. And up your neck to your face. A gentle smile relaxes thousands of muscles. Notice your jaw and your eyes. And now do a gentle body scan. And notice the change in your body. And realize that when we are in our bodies... We really are in the here and now. It's like a homecoming of sorts. And of course, for Christians, this is really what sacred embodiment means. Now gently bring your full attention to the center of your chest, your heart center. What do you notice here? You may feel an expansive or even a deep sense of compassion or perhaps some restriction. Regardless, just notice and let it go. The sacred heart is always awaiting our attention to come online in the service of that which is. 
breathe into this. And finally, we bring our attention to our head center. And you may notice a certain spaciousness as you breathe into this part of your being. Beyond monkey mind and busy brain, this spaciousness creates the potential for receptivity, a renewed curiosity as we bring our awareness and receptivity to the divine. Now, imagine a line from the top of your head flowing down through your heart, through your solar plexus, into the ground. Notice how you are in these three centers of intelligence. Our body, the sacred temple, grounded. Our heart, our sacred heart, open in compassion. And our head, spacious and receptive. And we simply sit with this for a moment of silence inviting the spirit into our midst as we align our individual and collective spirit in humble cooperation. So Jill, this is a great practice, I think, as part of your overall meditation or prayer practice. Dermid, thank you for leading us through that practice. Um, it really is it really is that simple, but it's not something that can be done on the go. This is not prayer on the go. This requires um, five minutes in our car. It re- requires five minutes, oh goodness, uh, five minutes in a bathroom stall, <laughs> wherever we can take absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely, especially in the busy world that we live in. But it's it's making sure that we find that, building the habit of finding that. And for me, I think the most important thing is to, uh, it's almost like you have to calendar it. I literally have it on my calendar, mm. you know, er, as a daily practice in the morning. And I find the morning is the best time if you can, if it's possible. I know this can be demanding on families and family life. But if you can find that space in the morning, it really sets your day up well. And then if you can find that space in the evening, it really closes the day down so beautifully. And remember, the whole um, conversation we've been having is really around inner peace. You know, this is what we're seeking so that we, as it says in the Bible, peace can be interpreted as tying together as a whole all of the essential parts. Inner peace then can be understood as as the wholeness of heart, mind and body. And of course, Jesus invites us to this peace multiple times. This means learning to live and cultivate peace first within ourselves. Then we can radiate that peace to others, bringing calmness and wisdom to the reality that every decision and action has an impact on our internal and external environments. And to paraphrase the Philippians, by cultivating this inner landscape, We can be lights for healing in the world. By cultivating our inner landscape, we can be lights for healing the world. And this is the work that we've been called to here in Catholic Healthcare. This this is at the heart of well-being. 
that place where we are healed so that we may heal others. And in order to do that, it means a quiet sit. Yes, I think that's exactly what we're trying to bring home. That's the invitation that if we do take time, if we take that time, the benefits of it are extraordinary. The intentionality behind taking the time is the key. And that's the invitation, I think, of this podcast, to really invite people just to try it on and see what happens. One of the things I can assure you is everybody around you will benefit from you engaging in a meditation practice. Absolutely true. And so I'm just going to leave us with this one question. It's, it's the question that Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? Beautiful, Jill. This has been another episode of Health Calls, the podcast of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. You can download Health Calls from the CHA website, chausa.org slash podcasts, or you can visit one of your podcast apps on your smart device and access and listen to our shows there. This episode was engineered at Clayton Studios in St. Louis by Brian Hartman and produced by Josh Matica. Thanks for listening. 